once again, thank you all for being here uh, this morning. And uh, we're going to be back in Proverbs chapter, uh, chapter 1. So if you would turn there, we're doing a major themes study of Proverbs, similar to what we did in Psalm 119. But in Proverbs, uh, we are, we're, we're calling our, our major theme study Tools for Life. And the reason for that is that the, the things we're going to cover have a great deal of very practical application. In other words, there are so many things in Proverbs are very, very practical. And, uh, and so uh, hopefully it'll be a great blessing to you. We didn't get very far last time talking about the first major theme in Proverbs, which is the fear of the Lord. And uh, can anyone... Well, let's read verse 1. Let's read what we read uh, last week, which is Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, and Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. Let's read that because that's where we're going to start our study. So Proverbs 1, verse 7, and 9, verse 10. Okay? The Bible says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And then Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. So, uh, we're going to look at this in depth. We didn't, we didn't get very far, as I said, in last, on last week, but... Uh, can someone help me to understand and review what the fear of the Lord is? What the fear of the Lord is? We kind of got a, we kind of narrowed it down. We looked at some verses where the words are used, and we've kind of narrowed it down to what the fear of the Lord is. What is it? Or maybe an aspect of the fear of the Lord. And it's okay to to just give one aspect because there's several aspects. Does anybody want to venture out and anyone, anyone going once, going? Yes, ma'am. Respect and reverence. Okay, fear is sinning against him. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Filial fear. There you go. He wants to get all technical on us. Filial fear. That is the fear like a like a, a child would have toward the father. What else? That's not all. There is other things we covered. Anybody remember? I'll read the verse. It says this. Um, sanctify the Lord of hosts himself, Isaiah 8, 13, and let him be your fear and let him be your dread. Dread. Sometimes this word fear is translated terror. So it all depends on where you are in relation to God as to how you fear God, right? As a child of God, we, don't fear, we would not fear God as in the same way that, that a, a person who does not know Him and is alienated from Him and under His wrath, uh, obviously. But on the other hand, like for instance, your child is not going to, although the Bible does say that like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear Him. So the Lord, want, the Lord expects us and wants us to fear Him as a child would fear His father. And that's fear. That's a, a one aspect of fear, but then if somebody breaks into your house in the middle of the night and you pop out of your bedroom with hopefully prepared, if you know what I'm saying, they're going to have a different kind of fear. It's not going to be the filial fear of a father and of a son to the father. It's going to be a, a fear of an enemy, right? 
And so that's also fear. But these are all biblical aspects. So when we, we looked at the definition, we kind of narrowed it down to, to uh, we, we had some different sources, and we narrowed it down to basically the, it is the mixture. It is the mixture of wonder, of awe, of reverence and respect, uh, of this father-son fear, as well as the, the mixture of the fear of God's might and God's power and God's displeasure. These all go into the fear of the Lord. And we talked about last week how the, the danger of expressing and describing the fear of God as something less than that, as basically, and, and it's, it's, it's kind of comical, you can't describe the fear of God as simply love and in and, and only a positive light because it is not that. It is not that. When a, even when a child of God... Somebody's calling me. I wonder if she meant to do that. Josh, can you, can you call her back? It was Rita. Just to make sure everything's okay. Let's go back out there and call her. So even when you have the, the fear of a, of a child to his father, if he is, if that child lives in rebellion and disobedience to his father, of course, referring to a child who's in the home, you know, there is a certain... <laughs> Sister Rita hit the wrong button, <clears throat> but we won't point it out and embarrass her, although she did say reverse, so that, that's a redeeming quality. Anyway, um, if a child lives in rebellion, then he should, he should fear his father and the, the chastisement and the judgment that might come as a result of that. So, so you have all these things that go in together. Now, let's, let's go to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The Bible says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, again, we know the book of Proverbs, the main theme in the book of Proverbs is some aspect of knowledge or wisdom, or understanding, or instruction, or discretion. There's a lot of different words that go into describing that. So, um, But what we see here, did we pray? We didn't pray. I don't think we prayed. So let's pray. Let's pause and pray and ask the Lord for His help. Lord, thank You for the opportunity to meet together to study Your Word. Thank You for the things You've been doing among us. Thank You for... Uh, our church, and uh, that you have established it and that you have sustained it these 50 years. Lord, thank you for your people that are here today that have come. They've set time aside. They have set themselves in their hearts to seek you, um, to hear your word, to listen, Lord. And, it, and sometimes it's difficult to do that, but I thank you, Lord, that they, are, they have done that. And I thank you for your work in each and every person. Thank you especially for the Lord Jesus and for the cross upon which he died and for the five wounds he bore for us and for his resurrection. Thank you, Lord, for your word here that we study and for your wisdom especially. Lord, please direct our study and bless it and teach your people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So we find out in wisdom, even though that even though the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom, that's the main theme of the book, before you can even enter in on wisdom, 
there's something you have to have first, first, and that is the fear of God. In other words, because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, you might say it's the first step of wisdom. You cannot step over the fear of the Lord. I'm sorry, yeah, you cannot step over the fear of the Lord in your pursuit of wisdom. The moment you do that, you have perverted wisdom. You have perverted wisdom. Now, what do we see about the fear of the Lord? We've already discussed it. We've discussed a servile relationship to God in the fear of the Lord. We've discussed a filial relationship to God in the fear of the Lord. But here's what I want you to understand about the fear of the Lord. Is really the fear of the Lord doesn't have anything to do with wisdom as it stands alone. But it is a necessary and the beginning component of wisdom in our pursuit of wisdom. But what the fear of the Lord has to do with is a right relationship to God. In our pursuit of wisdom, it must begin. We must start the first step and the foundation of that pursuit of wisdom, making right decisions, having right thinking, all the things that go into wisdom. The foundation to that is first a right relationship to God. Now, that's what the fear of the Lord is. Now, again, the fear of the Lord has many aspects. And of course, in Proverbs, what is in view in Proverbs is not salvation in Christ so much, although it's there. But what we're talking about is just wisdom in general. Okay, that's what we know that there's no real way to have a right relationship to God without Christ. And a person can, you know, of course, be religious or whatever. And until they come to Christ and believe on Christ, they are alienated and out of a right relationship to Christ. So we know that in a doctrinal sense, but I'm referring to a practical sense. Okay, here's what I mean by that. Is if you just, if you just went somewhere in Omaha, Nebraska, or you know, Spokane, Washington, or wherever, you, and you just grabbed a guy off the side of the road, or a lady, you just grabbed them. That person, without reference to whether they're saved or lost, just think about this for a minute. That person, even if they don't know God, can have a fear of God right? They can have a fear of God or not have a fear of God. What does the Bible say? In the last days, there, there will be no fear of God before their eyes. That's not a reference to the believers. That's a reference to unbelievers. So that tells us that, some, that even people who do not know God can have a fear of God, a right fear of God. That's what the book of Proverbs is, the book of wisdom. Now, we know that a right fear of God should lead us eventually to salvation. To, to Christ. But wisdom cannot begin without a proper relationship to God. And again, by relationship, I'm not referring to the, that in a doctrine perspective, but a right, maybe you could say view of God or a right, uh, a right understanding of where you stand with God and who God is. Because the fear of God comes out of God's nature, who He is, His character. The reason we... Uh, we talked about the Grand Canyon. You know, we, you walk up to the Grand Canyon, as I said last week, and you walk up and all the sound goes away because there's nothing to echo off of. And there's a sense of awe that comes over, because, comes over you because of how wide it is and deep it is. And it just, it just strikes you. Well, that's, that's the way it is with God, is when you have the right view of God, it affects how you interact and think of Him. And it, it should provoke fear. And so that's what we mean when we talk about the fear of the Lord. 
Now, here's the problem, though. The Bible says in verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So that means you cannot have knowledge aright until you first have the fear of the Lord. There's no way to do it. Here's the, here's the issue. In this world, people want knowledge and people want wisdom. People go to school, they go to college, they go to universities. They, you know, take classes, they, they try to increase knowledge. But most people, listen now, this is important. Most people seek wisdom and knowledge independent of God. It's like they say, even if they don't say it, they say, God, I want your knowledge, but not you. Now, this is important because all knowledge and wisdom has its source in God, period. It doesn't matter if it's scientific knowledge, philosophical knowledge. It doesn't matter if the knowledge deals with the human being or other things in the natural world, things in astronomy. It doesn't matter what the knowledge is. And you say... See, and here, here's the thing. Sometimes, sometimes we might get hung up on what I just said, and here's why. Because we have been indoctrinated with secularism in our country. We have been trained to think of knowledge as separate from God. So basically, we think of God and religion are here in one box, and knowledge and science and, and all real things are over here. This is the, what we've been trained to think. This is secularism. But it's not that way. In one box is knowledge. And knowledge is truth. What, that, which is, that which conforms to reality. And God made the box. So anytime someone... It, and listen... Science, as far as we, you know, the scientific world and all that stuff, is not, is not our enemy. It's not our enemy. We, we talked about that last week to some degree. Now, of course, science perverted. There's where we get into the problem. And I'm, I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. But science is not an enemy. That science just means knowledge. And whether you're talking about the scientific things that we think of as science or whether you're talking about other knowledge, listen, that all started with God. Before God spoke it into existence, it didn't exist. Like, it wasn't there. It started with him. He is the source of it. So you can't have knowledge, any knowledge that we have, no matter what the subject might be, we are borrowing from God's storehouse. It doesn't matter if we know God or don't know God or whether we lost or saved, doesn't matter. We take knowledge out of that box, God is letting us take knowledge out of his box. It's his box. But see, Wisdom and knowledge are things that people in this world seek after independently of God. That is, they have no regard at all for God in their, in their pursuit of knowledge. And this is the secular worldview. In the secular worldview, knowledge and wisdom are thought to exist independent of any kind of religious idea, as if they self-exist. In that way, Secular, the secular worldview has knowledge and wisdom as its God. Because it, they've replaced it. 
as if it's always existed. That's the way people, can you believe, listen, there are people in the secular worldview because they've been, they've been backed into a corner logically. They think that everything that's in this universe has always existed. They actually believe in the eternality of matter. Everything in this universe has always existed. It has no beginning. Not that they can prove that, or, but it, it must be because all of those things must be God. They do not allow for God. Here's what I mean. All right, I printed something out. Listen to this. This is the secular worldview. Key characteristics of a secular worldview. Here's, and I'm, I'm going to just go through these real quick. Hopefully it won't take too long. Number one is naturalism. Secularism is often closely aligned with naturalism, which is the belief that natu- the, na- the natural world is all that exists. The worldview rejects the idea of a supernatural realm or beings that influence events. All right, so from the gate, what do they do? We say, we say the fear of the Lord, there's God, is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. They say, no God is the beginning of knowledge. They, they do the, they, they have a point that the, the foundation and the basis for everything the secular worldview is, is the very opposite of what the Bible says about knowledge. Number two, ethical framework. Secularism does not rely on religious text or divine commandments for its ethical framework. Instead, it derives moral values from human experience, empathy, reason, and the well-being of individuals in society. Notice they're taking reason which is based in knowledge, and they're borrowing God's knowledge, but without God for the basis for their ethical framework. Three, separation of church and state. I'll just say this one part. They ensure that public policies are not influenced by religious dogma. But see, what are they doing by that? We all have have observed this. And listen, what I'm saying is not political. The secular worldview wants to actually exclude God because that is the basis that the the principle of there is no God is the starting principle and the foundational principle of the secular worldview. That's why they seek to exclude God from everything. Critical thinking. Secularists encourage critical thinking as if we, it, it implied in there is we don't. We don't think critically. We're just a bunch of drones that just go about our merry way and listen to what some preacher barks from the pulpit and that's, all, that's how we make all of our decisions. That is totally not the case at all. That is not the case for me and I sure hope it's not the case for you. Skepticism and the examination of beliefs and claims based on evidence. That's, now, why do we believe the Bible? Evidence. Why do we believe in the resurrection of Christ? Evidence. It's just, see, to them, to the secular worldview person, they must start and accept the premise, there is no God to begin. You see. This approach values reason and the pursuit of knowledge as a means of understanding the world. Again, they they exalt knowledge, but it's knowledge that cannot allow God. Pluralism pluralism and, and tolerance. It acknowledges the right of individuals to hold various religious or non-religious perspectives without discrimination. Why? The principles upon which human rights are founded are actually biblical principles. Right? 
They have no basis for doing that, yet they say they do. Humanism. Many secular individuals and groups identify with humanism, which emphasizes the inherent dignity and value of human beings. But, but you see, that conflicts with what they understand. That is a biblical principle. Human beings were created special. That is a biblical principle. But yet they borrow it, and then they don't, they don't consistently apply it. That's why people will say, we're just evolved animals. And you think about people that talk about how they, they exalt human rights, but then they practice abortion, infanticide, gerontocide, which is the, that, which is the, the killing of the, the elderly. And they talk about human rights and the value of the human being. This is all the secular worldview. This is, this is what undergirds their worldview. Freedom of thought. Talk about free individuals are free to question, criticize, and explore ideas without fear of persecution or retribution. But let me ask you, today in our day, where is the persecution of Christians coming from in, in our country? Where is it coming from? In Canada, where is it coming from? It's not coming from the religious people. It's coming from the secularists who insist that God be expunged from everything. But God is the beginning of knowledge, the fear of the Lord. Shutting down. My wife was in a was in a on Facebook. She was in a Greenville mommies group. Someone came in there. Now imagine the irony of that. They came into the Greenville mommies group on Facebook, asking how they could get an abortion. They came into a mommies group, asking how they could get an abortion. And you know what the group admin did is. As obviously some people in there were either believers or people who at least were not sympathetic to abortion, piped in and said, well, this, and gave suggestions about the Piedmont Women's Center and different things like that. Actually, you were, I think you and some of the people that preached were cited as well, though not in friendly terms. <laughs> Don't be surprised. But when those piped in, you know what the admin of the group did? Deleted all those comments and forbade anybody else to give that point of view. You see what I'm saying? This is the secular worldview that the first thing they do is exclude God. That is the first principle and, and the basis for everything else they do. So, where is that knowledge going to then lead? And lastly, scientific understanding. It says secular progressives often align with scientific understanding of the world. Of course, they, you know, I get so disgusted when I hear people condescendingly say things like, well, we believe in science and the evidence. Brother Lester, when you practice medicine, do you do it on an evidence-based practice? Do you look at science when you read diagnostics and blood tests and all that? Oh, no, no, you probably read a verse in the Bible and you say, well, you know, you just kind of extrapolate whatever. No, no, no. That is so, that is so stupid. You, listen, you should never allow someone to condescendingly speak to you as if they believe in science and you somehow don't. Just because we don't believe that human, in macroevolution, you know, mush to man evolution, doesn't mean we don't believe in, in correct science. Anyway, value-based evidence explanations over supernatural interpretations of natural phenomena. Again, they look at the natural world and they say God cannot be in it, period, Period, we will not accept any explanation that has God whatsoever. And boy, does that lead them off. 
As I said, the secular worldview as its foundational premise excludes God from its considerations. That is the first principle. And so, it is exactly the opposite to what we're reading in Proverbs 1.7. Diametrically opposed. Because to the believer and to the person who believes the Scripture, the fear of the Lord, you cannot get wisdom at all until you first have the fear of the Lord. Now, the danger for you and for me in this secular world in which we live, secular society, all societies aren't like this, but ours is. The grave and fatal fault is when we sheepishly try to work within this worldview. You can't. You cannot work within a worldview where assumptions, where God, you start without God. You know what we should do? We must start with God. He is the first principle and the first cause, and we must unashamedly state that, state that as such. So when you talk about the abortion issue, I think David's, David's dead on when he does that, does that kind of ministry. He isn't going, well, you know, and arguing from a, with the secular worldview that abortion shouldn't be done. Now he goes and says, no, God made us. These are individual, in, individuals that God has created. He starts with God. You know, people hate that. People hate that with all their heart. They sometimes will tolerate an apologetic argument that accepts the secular viewpoint, which is there is no God, but the moment you bring God into oof. Now, arriving at supposed knowledge or wisdom without first having the fear of the Lord leads to the knowledge being used to further carnal and wicked ends. It perverts the knowledge as well as its use. And you know what happens? When someone tries to use, now think about how often Proverbs is used as a self-help book. People have written books about Proverbs and how it's for self-help. But here's the problem. You can't take the wisdom out of Proverbs without the fear of the Lord because eventually that wisdom will be perverted. Here's what I mean. Real quick, look at Proverbs chapter 3. It's like building, building without a foundation. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7. Look at what it says. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So a person comes and he's, he, he thinks he has wisdom. Maybe he's been reading the book of Proverbs, but he's not been reading it from God's perspective with the acknowledgement of God as its beginning, which is what 1.7 says. He comes out and just wants to, want, he wants to cherry pick the wisdom out of Proverbs without God. But the problem is when he does that, you get to verse, chapter 3, verse 7 as an example. And he takes that wisdom and he thinks he understands it and he thinks he knows it. And relying upon his own wisdom, he, he assumes that he can maybe take a few of these things here and there and he can go ahead and commit that sin that is in his heart that he already wants to commit because that's the nature of man. That's also a principle that's in Proverbs that's rejected by secular humanism. But... It's the principle in Proverbs. And so what he does is he says, well, no, I understand. I got some verses from Proverbs. So I'm just going to go ahead and do this wicked thing, this evil thing, because that's what I want to do. 
And he thinks he can do it and be unharmed. And that's not, that's not the case. Through wisdom, he proceeds to do evil. But he does it to his own peril. But the fear of the Lord in 3 verse 7 says, Fear the Lord and depart from evil. You see, the fear of the Lord says, you don't need to understand it. You just need to understand that God said it's evil and you don't need to do it. But see, people all the time say, oh, well, I, I can drink. I'm not going to get drunk. Yeah. I don't get drunk. It's okay to drink. Listen now. There might be somebody in here that drinks sociably. I don't have any idea. But here's the thing. Here, here's the thing. If you drink sociably, let me ask you, let me ask you a question. Have you ever gotten drunk? You say, well, I know, it's not right. I know it's not right to get drunk, but drink is okay. The problem is, the problem is those people go too far by their own standard. And so what the Lord, the wisdom that the Lord gives in His Word, they, through their wisdom, say, well, I'm okay. I can, I can do a little bit and it's all right. And they, through their own wisdom, proceed before you know it, they're drunk. You see, instead of fearing the Lord and departing from evil. Now that's just one example of, of many. We, get a, we could give examples of men with what they're looking at on the internet. We give, give examples of ladies and how they interact with their husbands. Examples in the workplace, all, all kinds of things, all kinds of things. But see, the wisdom and the knowledge of the Scripture in Proverbs especially begins with fear of God. Acknowledgement of God, standing in awe of God, being in honor of God, and saying, God, I just, listen, I want to be right with you. That's the starting point. Let's pray.